spicy pink that's where we're gonna start the episode <laughs> the first thing someone is gonna hear when they when they hit play is spicy pink sounds like a sex joke but i'm just being dead ass <laughs> <laughs> well and with that ladies and gentlemen boys and girls we're back better than ever brandon what episode are we on 51 we are on episode 51 of You, Me, and Lore, everybody. And we're still not at Halo yet. God damn it, we're not. We're not even at Combat Evolved. We haven't even hit 2001. Not even, we're not even there yet. Man. And y'all, this man says 51. He means episode 15. He just, he just flipped them. He just did the inverted. What's that called? That's what Tenet, Tenet is. Uh, what's the what's that term called? Is that the what's the um, the Amazonian position? <laughs> the Amazonian <laughs> position. Go no, on. no, no. Go no, ahead. You need to Google it. <laughs> <laughs> Let me make sure. It's... I don't know if I want that on my Google. Nah, that'd be all right. I'm putting it on the company one anyways. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. But yeah, y'all. Episode fifteen of you, me, and Lore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just it's yeah. just the Amazon position. My bad. <laughs> That's it. Just the Amazon yeah, you, position. You just y'all. flip it. It's all right. <laughs> if you got somebody you know in your life and you really care about them, you put them in the walls of Amazon. Okay? <laughs> put them in the walls of Amazon. You better hit. What is that shit Amazon. Amazon when you're working in the manufacturing? That is death by snoo snoo. No, when you're working in manufacturing, you that... have to hit a certain quota, but their quota is called something different. They call it something. Yeah, it's called slave. Well, yeah, but <laughs> um, <laughs> what the fuck was that shit? I'll find it. I'll find it. Well, There's an Amazon worker out there right now, just screaming at me. <laughs> 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 just, I'm sorry. I tried. And I tried to help your cause, and I'm just too stupid. <laughs> don't blame me. <laughs> you don't have any pamphlets. You can't have a good rebellion without pamphlets. <laughs> <laughs> yep, <Yeah>, man. <laughs> Before we get lost on this on this little side quest, I am I'm one of your favorite co-hosts. I am the man with the plan. They called me the Drip Whisperer, Kenny Gomez, aka Ken Dog, and I'm here with your host with the most. What that? Would you say spicy pink? Spicy pink. Was that what? <laughs> spicy pink, yo. The <laughs> out here, it's stripper drown, it's, and I it... just stay floating, brother. <laughs> Oh, man. I still got to make that the cover image. Yo. That shit is so fire. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the man that needs no introduction, he's known in the streets as the dude, 
Brandon Wayner. Welcome back, Brandon. Hey, thanks. It's been a it's been a uh, it's been a week. And there's gonna <laughs> Yo, be another a week one. between recordings. <laughs> it's like a whole lifetime passes. <laughs> you know, I got to the point today where I was looking at the script. And for those of you who don't know, it when we say script, very light scripting. It's more of um a general it's a idea. Sheet. <laughs> it's more of a general a... direction. <laughs> um so we don't get lost and we still get lost. I was looking at it, and this is another one of those episodes where a whole bunch of nothing happens and everything happens all at the same time because it's a lot of character development that happens in this episode. So this episode has to happen. You know what I mean? But we can't force it. It has to come organically. But that also means this is probably going to be a shorter episode. But it's a necessary episode. So stay with us. I personally love this story that we're about to tell is actually one of my favorites. It gets me every time. Um, but yeah, I forgot where I was going with that. Oh, I need more spicy it, things. It's going to make it. <laughs> I think, um, I think we're going to, we're going to title today's episode. Uh, no man left behind. Will be the title of this what about episode. Kelly? Well, that's the whole point. <laughs> wink, wink. Kelly doesn't get a point. <laughs> Kelly doesn't get the point, actually. <laughs> but I know who do. She, no, yeah. Well, that that's why John is the, is the leader of Blue Team. <laughs> but yeah, y'all. So today is a bit of a, a somber episode. Um, this will also be the reintroduction of our original format um, timelines, but that'll be toward the end of the episode. Yeah. But just to kind of recap. Brandon, you 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 let me know if this if this recap sounds familiar. So we we left off with the kids and they just had the best school bus ride ever to go pick up their uniforms. When as the kids were on their way to pick up said universe, oh, excuse me, whoa, whoa, said uniforms. I was like, whoa, whoa, calm down, Thanos. I don't whoa, remember whoa, that whoa. shit at all. <laughs> <laughs> Snapping my fingers, <laughs> but. As you guys remember, they were going to the Chen City, Chen City Four, um, <laughs> Chen City, Chen City uh, sector. <laughs> Same difference. That's what we're going with. And as you guys remember, the worst thing to ever show up on a Fox News teleprompter appeared in front of them: illegal aliens. <laughs> God damn it! <la> I'm keeping that one in. <laughs> You're in editing this week. You get it's your rules. I got. <laughs> Oh, yeah. So, yeah, if y'all remember, um, the Covenant showed up in front of the uh, Commonwealth. That was the ship they were riding on to go get their new uniforms. A battle broke out. And then the... I would uh, not call that much of a battle. (laughs) We're not going to say a battle. We are going to say a a tactical defeat occurred. Like, that was was a goddamn grounding, my dude. It was. it was It was a tactical defeat. One by the man, the myth, the legend, that is John 117, because of his quick thinking. Um, they managed to survive the ride from hell, and they hopped on a pelican to get to, uh, excuse me, to get to the Damascus base, and that's where their Mjolnir armor uh, was waiting for them. Now, Brandon, you were watching the animated series uh, this time around. Yeah, I thought that'd be a good contrast. Because um, I noticed on the last one, we were both getting it from the same place. And I like it more where I get it from a different place. And then we can kind of compare 
the two. You know what I mean? I feel like it helps the dialogue a lot. So I watched the animated version, which, I mean, you, you want me to go through the sources real quick before we dive? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, yeah, before we get we get sued, who, who are we yeah. referencing in this episode? Um... These nuts <laughs> got him um it's gonna be it's gonna be the halo encyclopedia halo fall of reach the animated um which you can still find to this day usually for free i 100 percent recommend it it's only like an hour long so it's it's worth your time um just for the uh the dialogue and the character development it's it's an awesome piece and then we are also going to use a snippet of halo collateral damage which is something i kind of referenced in the pre-show show is uh that's the that's the comic series that we're going to be going through a teeny tiny bit this episode more so next episode just a little bit which is weird because we only have one source for the next episode (laughs) (laughs) for real that'll be nice that'll be different for a change yeah those are all right scuba gears hooked up let's go diving (laughs) oh man but yeah so the kids survived the ride they got their armor um, one difference, and and this is actually really funny. So, as you guys remember in the last episode, I said that all the kids got in. They had roughly about like 15, 30 minutes to, to kind of learn how to use the armor and get it going. It's interesting because in the book, everybody gets their Mjolnir armor on. But Brandon, you saw something very different. Um, Only the initial part. It ended the same. They're the same. So, in on the animated version of the of the of the film, only I believe in Brandon. Keep me honest. It's only Sam, Kelly, and John that get the suits on in time to do the mission. Correct? No, they. Uh, so what happens is I'm just gonna say what happens in the animated, and mm-hmm. say yours. Um, rather than this whole guessing game I'm playing, I'm playing 20 fucking questions with you right now, and I don't mean to. I'm just dumb. I know you've been trying to cue me, and I'm like, nah. <laughs> like, no, it's, it's, I love you. I love you. This is part. It's all part of the plan. It's all planned. Um, no, so what it is, so what happens is they get there, and John, uh, you know, Halsey is kind of explaining a little bit about the suit. She totally leaves out, like, the bad parts of the suit, but she's hyping the suit up. And uh, she's like, who wants to try it on? And John, of course, volunteers because John is John. So he he puts it on first and everybody's kind of watching him. And he's like, it's weird because he's like cautiously moving his hands and shit. And you could tell that it's new to him. And then um, it's weird because he like kind of, for, it takes him a minute to kind of take a step. But then like that step is the same it this the symbolism's fantastic. I'll just leave it at that that they threw. And then um no, everybody gets their armor, but then they kind of get briefed on like they get the call from Captain Dicknuts. What was his name? <laughs> it's Captain Dicknuts. It's um hold on, let me pull up my man's name. Yeah, this is this is why you can tell that we're not 100% scripted guy. <laughs> oh no, yeah, man. Like I I kind of like in in terms to my side of things tonight, like I was like, uh I'm not worried about the Commonwealth and the captain. So. No, no. Yeah, once I read my notes, I delete the notes, which is terrible. <laughs> which is a ter- totally dumb thing to do. Um, Hold on, I'm, I'm pulling her up. All right, but I'll just keep going through it, and you can throw his name in there. But, um, yeah, Captain Dicknuts, he calls up, and he's like, yo, did what I could. You guys are on your own. Like, 
I can't I can't hold this ship off anymore. And the thing that the show also did really well is it showed the size comparison between oh the Captain f- Wallace Wallace, <laughs> Wallace. <laughs> yeah right that's it um, Captain Cornwallis and then it showed the size difference and it is fucking ast- I didn't realize how different the ships were in size because the Covenant ship is fucking massive dude like huge honestly like a hundred times bigger than the frigate well so that's it that's a discrepancy because in the book it is not that size oh well then 100 percent. yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah they they upped it up for the for the for the animation but it's it's not the same ship either way it was cool as fuck and then (laughs) i I don't know what it is i just know it was dope and um so halsey is like so once again john and halsey kind of come up with the idea of them bringing the fight to the covenant (laughs) rather than playing defense john's like fuck that let's play offense and halsey's like i need a you know i need volunteers and immediately john volunteers blue team (laughs) like immediately um and uh it's funny because there is a quip while they're on the way there once the plan gets approved by halsey um everybody else dons their armor and this is a little bit of a forward and then we'll come back to the story but uh later on can't remember it might have been sam sam is like you couldn't have volunteered red team <laughs> like, <laughs> this is bullshit yeah the, sam is sam is such a character yeah but sam um, is uh but yeah no i just thought it was neat <laughs> but yeah no everybody gets their suit because they all start messing with it blue team is just the only ones to board the thing on the show yeah so it's it's so in the book and that's where kind of where we left off in the last episode, guys. Everybody gets decked out. Everybody has an idea of how to move their armor now. And like I said, they're the ones that convince Halsey to like, we need to do this. This needs to be our first mission. And Randy, that's um, very accurate. Actually, Halsey breaks it down to John how to move in the suit. And it's funny, at one point <laughs> when John finally gets the hang of it and he salutes, <laughs> he salutes her and the. <laughs> He, he, he hits himself so hard in the face, <laughs> saluting. He talks about how he has a little head pain um, from it. But um, but yeah, yeah. So we left off with them convincing Halsey. Um, initially, just like how Brandon explained it, Halsey was trying to figure out, you know, how to get the kids away, how they're going to, you know, move them. And John was like, hey, you know, given the circumstances and the only opportunity we have, we need to strike first because if they take out the Commonwealth, they're going to come back for us. And this is only going to, this is going to be our best shot uh, to get this done. Um, it's, it's, it's interesting because in, when they decide to do it, so essentially just to give you guys the gist of the plan, John wants to fly the Spartans onto the covenant ship and how they're going to do it is they know that the Covenant ship is going to make a beeline straight for the Commonwealth. And John wants to roll up in the Pelican and fire and, and fire kind of an intercept trajectory with the Covenant ship so they can land on it or land by the opening that the Mac cannon from the last episode left on it so they can sneak in and bomb the ship. Um, the difference uh, with this is, like we said, instead of just the blue team being the the ones to show up 
every Spartan makes this this jump to get on the Covenant ship. What? So, yes, every Spartan. Every Spartan that survived the augmentation, every Spartan that got their armor on, they all make this jump onto the Covenant ship. Here's the difference. And John breaks it down like this. Based on how quick the ship moves and whatever trajectory they calculate, even if they're off by a meter, they can miss the ship entirely. So the goal for the Spartans is to get on the ship. And if they can't make the ship, they need to actually float out there in space. John literally told anybody who doesn't make it on the ship while you're floating out there, you know, power down your suit. So you can maximize the amount of oxygen as well as the, you know, the, the seal proof, um, the seal proof, you know, vacuum in the suit. But yeah, needless to say, <laughs> um, as we go on in the story, everybody misses the ship except three people. And we kind of touched on it, but everybody misses it. So in the book, essentially, that's the plan. If they don't do this, they're about to get rocked by the covenant. So Halsey takes control of the Pelican. She plans the, the intercept trajectory. John and every Spartan available, or pretty much everybody, grabs the, the fucking rocket pack that you see in any Halo game now. They slap it on each other. And as they're getting closer and closer to the intercept trajectory, there's a scene in the book where John and all the Spartans go to the back of the Pelican and they drop the um uh, the rear door. And you can see a reflection of the Covenant ship on John's visor. And, and they talk about how it's like, it's it's tiny on his visor, but it's super huge in front of him. As soon as they hit the, the intersect tra- trajectory, John fucking books it full speed. Like he is the first one out there shooting <laughs> as fast as he can. And all the Spartans are following. So as John is, is flying through space to, to click the, to get on the ship, and mind you, they're also worried, too, about the energy shields that the ship has because they don't even know if they can pass through it. So John and, and every Spartan, they make a beeline and they're flying through space. This is this actually this next part talks about the genius that is John. John realizes that the rate that they're moving and as fast as they're moving, they're like the Covenant ship is going to think we're missiles. And if they think we're missiles, they're going to shoot us with their plasma cannons. So he radios back to Halsey to be like, hey, we need a distraction. Or if not, they're going to shoot us out of the sky. Yo, as soon as he says that, (laughs) John looks forward and he can see all the cannons loading up. They're like charging up to fire. And he's speeding. He's going. He's going. And, And mind you, even the Covenant ship is actually slightly turned. So on the fly, he has to adjust his intercept trajectory. Well, those cannons fire, and by luck or timing, because it's Halsey, um, the sh- the Pelican they're on is able to fire um, missiles to intercept or or be the main co- the the main focal point for the cannons, and they end up hitting all the missiles instead of the Spartans. Well, John necessarily doesn't hit his target, but he lands enough on the ship. He lands enough on the ship. Um, he kind of slips a little bit because of the energy shield, but he makes it toward the the opening that the Mac cannon made. And as he's approaching the opening, he sees two other people there. He sees Kelly 
and he sees Sam. Kelly and Sam are the only ones that made it to the ship. They're the only Spartans to make it to the ship. And I do want to point out um, just a couple things. This is uh, the original blue team, Kelly and Sam. If you guys remember, this was John's original team when they did the um, when they did the, the games on Reach with Mendez. And there's actually a quote I forgot to mention. So when John is... Well, there's a couple things I forgot to mention. When John is um, explaining his plan to Halsey, one quote is, she's like, you know, if you guys get the trajectory wrong or miss it, you'll die. And that's where I believe we hear a famous line where he lets her know, ma'am, I don't miss. So John's kind of, uh, he emphasizes his, you know, how good he is. The next one is actually Sam. When he tells Halsey the plan and Sam actually is the one that gets the missiles ready that they're going to use to bomb the Covenant ship. Um, he sets the timing charges, everything on them. He goes up to John and he tells him, hey, man, this is the best plan you've ever had. Better than the plan that you had on the playground on Reach. And that's a callback to John's original plan when he told Kelly and Sam, just hang out in the back while I go hit the bell. So that there's like a little there's a little bit of banter there. Sam and Kelly are the only other Spartans to make it. Everybody else missed the uh, the leap. And it's interesting because the the hole that they came through through the Matt Cannon, based on the one shot from the last episode, it didn't seem like it did a lot too much damage. Like it, it breached a hole or maybe a level, nothing too crazy. Well, when Sam, Kelly, and John go through it, that Matt Cannon shot did a lot more damage than what it seemed. Like it actually went through a couple levels and it actually breached it the other side of the Covenant ship. So right now, at this point, Sam, Kelly, and John are kind of floating through because their main goal is to take the the missiles um, that they got off the Pelican. Is to take them to the, the general reactor of the, excuse me, of the Covenant ship to blow it up. And the, uh, the missiles in question were the Pelican's Anvil 2 AS missiles. These are the ones that um, Sam adjusted for the mission. And I do want to take a moment to talk about Sam. Uh, Sam is known as Samuel 034. He is considered to be one of the large, one of the largest Spartans in the program, as well as one of the strongest ones in the program. He's and mind about, you, he's, a, about a foot higher than the other kids. Bearing in mind, when Halsey found John, John stood a head taller than the other kids his age. So now imagine it another kid a foot taller than John. Yeah, dude, he was um he was considered seven feet and ten inches yep. when he was in his armor. Dude was fucking built. <laughs> like he was a shit but he was also the gentle giant. He was a gentle giant, but he knew how to make things go boom. If y'all remember Sam was also the guy who laid, well, excuse me, I say guy. He was the kid that laid all the explosives on the, mm-hmm. the rebel ring when John and them kidnapped the uh, the rebel leader. Mm-hmm. So, needless to say, the three Spartans in question, and I'm not going to drag this out because there there isn't too, too much on it, but it is phenomenal if you watch the animation, animated version. So, they sneak in the plane and they start passing through levels. 
um, on their way to find the um, the generator, the central reactor. Which they're just doing. The way they're doing that is Kelly is actively scanning for radiation, and then they're kind of following mm. the radiation trail to the fusion reactor um, because they assume that the radiation would obviously be coming from one central source. And they were right, but that's how, for those of you who are like, they just landed on an alien ship. How did the fuck do they know where the reactor is? That's how, uh, they, yeah, were, no, that's... That's how they gauged it. <laughs> <laughs> well, lovely. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned it because while she's like doing all the scanning and stuff, she actually finds a pressurized door and Kelly manages to work it. Well, when she gets the door open, that's when John and the squad make first contact. So the difference here in the in the in the animation and in the book is there's only one type of covenant alien on this particular ship in the book. And it's the Kigyar, aka the, the Velociraptor birds we were talking about. Um, if you played the game, they're normally the uh, the ones with the sniper rifles. Um, they they have the shields with the plasma um, pistol. Excuse me. They're the ones you hit after they're already dead because they made you mad. It's those ones. With the exactly. The <sighs> they're terrible on on legendary. Um, they fucking end your run on legendary every time. Yeah, every damn time. But y'all, yeah, so this is essentially their first contact with the covenant, and. John takes a moment to process in his head like he normally does. John is fully aware of UNSC protocol and he's he's aware of that 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 writing and the regulations on if we were ever to make first contact, how they shouldn't make an effort to try to speak with them. John's like, I know I'm supposed to do all this. He's like, but I'm clearly looking at this thing and nothing about it is like illuminating or telling John that he wants to have a conversation. <laughs> well, needless to say, Danny DeVito makes a special appearance and everybody starts, everybody, you know, starts blasting. Something very sad happens. Something very, very sad happens. So, um, with this initial fight with the, um, the Kigyar, the Kigyar carrying their noted plasma pistol and as Brandon has put it, a legendary they'll end your run. However, in this fake real life, uh, they may end your escape. During the firefight that um, John has with the Kigyard with with his team, and they at this point now they're kind of running through levels and they're fighting everybody that's coming in front of them. Um, Sam gets injured. In the animation, Sam. It takes a, a plasma a plasma blast to the chest. However, in the in the book, Sam takes a plasma shot to the side. Problem with the plasma shot he took to the side, not only did it burn through his armor and, and burnt him, it put it put a hole in him, it also broke the suits of um the suits function of being able to seal in space. So now Sam cannot travel through space like they just did to get on the to get on the ship. Well, as the as the Spartans are fighting their way through the ship, they do manage to make it to the engine room. And then from there, that's where they plant the uh, the Pelican warheads. They plant them all around the generator. Here's the problem when the kids get there. 
the only way out at this point is through the vacuum of space. With that being said, Sam can't leave. Now, if you guys remember, back in the funeral after the augmentation, Mendez stressed to John, you know, there's always going to be casualties in what we do. However, do not let your men die in vain. Kelly's trying to figure out how to get everybody off, realizes due to the injury, the severity of the enemy that they're dealing with, even Sam knows the writings on the wall. And also, I do need to emphasize the reason why Sam got shot was because he was protecting John. And if you guys remember, when they initially met on Reach and when they became friends, Sam's biggest reason or biggest um, trait was he was always taking care of John no matter what. John and Sam know the writings on the wall. They both know Sam's not coming home from this mission. So because of this, John gives Sam the order that he needs to stay behind to protect the warheads. And in a moment, in a very somber moment, moment, Sam doesn't fight it. Sam understands and he's like, hey, I'm ready. I'm ready to protect it. I'm ready to, to stop. Everybody's coming in through the room. And needless to say, Kelly tries and tries and tries, but they got to go. And they know Sam's not going anywhere. So in a blaze of glory, Sam protects the Enjo, the generator room, generator reactor, um, as the Kigyar fighting their way in there. And he, he completes his mission and the Covenant ship explodes. It it, it the um it destroyed the entire ship. The entire covenant ship was destroyed. So needless to say, the the mission in question was a success. If this would be the Spartans' first KIA situation in their first combat mission, or excuse me, their first combat mission against the Covenant, and and Sam is technically the first Spartan casualty of the Covenant. Um. Coming in human war. A couple things come out of um, Sam's death as well. And this on this specific date. So on December 1st of 2525 is when the, they hold a funeral for Sam. They're holding it on a uh, on a cruiser known as the Persian Gate. Uh, the service is is held by Halsey. Um, sadly, if, if you guys just remember, you're like, Kenny, um, how's their funeral for Sam if Sam blew up on the Covenant ship? Well, there was a casket for Sam, but it was empty. And it's it's a very it's a it's a it's a somber it's a somber moment for everybody. Just because they realize they're they're technically technology's most advanced soldiers in the world, and they realize that they're still not unkillable. And it's it's funny because there's even a, a conversation between Sam and uh, not excuse me not Sam. Um, there's a there's a conversation between Kelly and John, and it's something that um, all the Spartans end up uh, kind of following. Kelly feels like you know Sam's life got wasted trying to fight the Covenant, 
Because as you guys know, this is not what they were designed for. And I don't think we, I don't think me and you do a good job of, of stressing this. But at the time, these are not men and women. These are children. So these are 14-year-olds having these conversations right now. Um, but the biggest thing to, t- to take away from this, John explains to Kelly, like, listen, Sam didn't die in vain. Sam, Sam's the reason why we now know that we can beat the covenant. Because of Sam, we know that we could win this war. We might be outgunned. We might be outmanned. But we can win with what we have. And you kind of see that with all the Spartans, that regardless of the odds, they know that they have the tools to succeed. It's just going to be harder. Um, also, another 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 thing that will come out from this too, and, and this kind of beats up John. John kind of keeps his chip on his shoulder that the, the main reason why Sam is dead is because he wasn't prepared. So we'll see that in missions like this where it involves rocket launches or just in general, John does a better job of making sure his team is equipped for any situation. And even in the event they get injured or equipment gets damaged, he makes sure there's backup and spares so that way they don't run into the same issue like Sam ran into. But uh, that's uh, that wraps up the kids' first mission. Um, oh, and one last thing too, the most important thing, because of Sam's death, this is when Oni jumps in and to build the legend of the team, Oni's like, listen, these kids can't, can't be listed as killed in action. So this is essentially the 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 beginning of when you see on there, you know, Spartans never die. They're just missing in action. This is where it stems from. This is where we see Spartans get the MIA designation instead of the KI when they were killed during the mission. But y'all, that's that's all I have. That's my uh, that's my time to wrap up this little adventure with the kids. Brandon, what you got? Yeah, my sequence of events was a little different. <laughs> oh, um, I bet. <laughs> so, um, in my version, everything was told through the perspective of Kelly. And, mm. uh, yeah, so the exact points remain the same, but there are some quotes from Kelly just kind of tie it off about her. Because uh, the one thing I'll give the movie to is they do a great job because it is told from Kelly's perspective, they do a good job of showing like her kind of reflecting upon it and being angry. Like not at just what happened to Sam, but just at the whole, how she ended up in this shit show. Um, like for example, like one of her quotes was Sam was our first loss since augmentation. We thought training augmentation and armor made us untouchable invulnerable immortal blue team we were wrong we were children i was 14 at the time kelly 087 so just to kind of give you an idea that right now they're living in these moments but they are still very much people and they do have the exact same 
emotional toils that will come and each person is going to handle sam's death a little differently kelly as you can tell um is going to be a little angry about it <laughs> not just at the covenant <laughs> but also that will reflect with oni later on and then um obviously this is going to be the thing that kind of turns john john does not handle this well at all um, no yeah no yeah, no this yeah. this fucking devastates him and it changes his personality for the rest of his life he will never be the same so that's another thing to bear in mind that at the end of the day yeah these are fucking superhuman trained killers but they are 14 year old kids and that's something I'll give the show that does really fucking well is it does put in that human aspect of maybe also that's why they it's shot a little differently because it is from Kelly's perspective, the size of the ship difference, the uh, the conversations that they have. It's still very similar, but it's a little different. You know, if you and I did something and we told the same story, it would be just a little different. So maybe no, that's absolutely. what they were going for as well when they when they did it because it is like subtle differences, but there are exaggerated ones too. Like if I was Kelly telling the story about us coming across this ship and completely outgunned, obviously it's going to be a massive fucking ship. You know what I mean? So maybe that's another thing they were kind of going for. I a hundred percent. If you don't have the time to read Fall of Reach, a good supplement would be just the hour long animated show. Because it is really well done. The voicing is really good. The animations haven't aged that well. I'll tell you that. Um, but from a pure story perspective, I 100% recommend it. And there are um, there are ways to find it in and around YouTube. It's not a difficult thing to find. Um, 100% recommend it. Sam was a huge fucking loss to the Spartans. Because he was the first one that died outside of augmentation. So... Once again, a brutal reminder that even though they survived all that, they're still vulnerable. They are still mortal. No, big facts. I mean, and I, I get it too from Kelly's perspective. It's it's hard as a kid, especially when you're made out to be these superheroes and these saviors, and, and technically superheroes don't die. <laughs> so, Right? And now you got to think like, all of their memories are based off each other on top of that. So it's just, it's just really, it's just a really fucked up loss that of all the people that like had to die. It had to be Sam. You, you know, what's funny about this. And I don't, I don't know if you know this, but uh, this, this first, um, this first mission for the Spartans, it kind of reminds me of the, of the original Power Rangers mission and how the whole the, the whole team almost got KIA. They almost got kinda, kinda, Yeah, yeah, the so the original the original not um Alright, yeah, we're taking a little side quest real quick. Are you talking about the 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 original one or the original American one? So which um, this is Right, which wasn't original. So based on the American continuity, gotcha. um, Boom Boom Comics, you know, Boom Comics did like the whole storyline with Evil Tommy and all that. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's how we got the Silver Silver Ranger or the White Ranger, whichever one it was. Right, 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 right. So they so they did a comic. They they expanded the the Power Rangers mythos, 
and you know, like every comic book, hey, you guys weren't the original team. You think you were, but you weren't. So the original team went up, I think it was in 1949, is the original Power Rangers team. And they actually went up and fought in space and they fought the the monster that would embody the Green Ranger. Complete shit show, almost a complete like squad wipe. It was so bad that the original Red Ranger, who was a woman, came back and told Zordon to go eat a bag of dicks. (laughs) (laughs) Not my fight, not my fucking problem. (laughs) Right, because it's like, yo, you grabbed a bunch of kids and didn't prepare them for this shit. It's just weird, man. Yeah. We lost Samwise Ganji. (laughs) (laughs) Bro, he is like, he is legit Sam. Yes, he is that Sam in in Halo. So now everybody's like, oh, so that explains why every episode Brandon has to explain what Sam was doing (laughs) for the last five episodes. (laughs) It was to give you some sort of care for this kid. Um, Because, you know, I don't know. It's just hard to transcribe. Because for those, you know, you guys know we take all the different sources and put them into one spot. That's like the goal of this podcast is that's why we picked halos. Cause there's so much fucking media. It is a project. <laughs> um, but if we can do halo outside of final fantasy and fucking kingdom hearts, um, I'm fairly confident we can do anything. We can do anything. <laughs> <laughs> um, final kingdom fantasy hearts is going to be <laughs> actually won't be as hard as I thought. The more I read into it, that one's actually pretty straightforward since you got me. But, um, yeah, Kingdom Hearts, man. Yeah, but um, that might be the end of this podcast. <laughs> that will be our send off before we we hand the podcast over to the new announcer. <laughs> um, and then they have to come back, and their introduction has to be a reboot of Halo. <laughs> <laughs> That's the game plan. That's the game plan. It's so famous. We don't have to redo Halo. <laughs> Or old enough to where it's like, hey, instead of putting it down, let's find two people to give it to. That'd be rad. <laughs> that'd be fucking rad. That'd be very sweet. That'd be fuck. That'd be pretty cool. I'd love to go out like that. Like, hey, here you go. <laughs> These are your new announcers. But um, that's the dream, dog. That'd be the dream. Um, but yeah, man. No, so it's it's a, our goal is to take all the media and put it together. So it is at times hard on our end to highlight where highlights are made because when we read it we'll read one book where obviously there's a focal point but then there's a comic series that takes place slightly before it that takes a little bit at the end of it takes place during the thing we just read so we got to fucking piece those together in a way that's meaningful but the comic had a different fucking vert like different narrative that we got to kind of plan so it's hard to kind of keep up with the you know who you need to always bear in mind. Um, but yeah, Kelly is also always going to be important. And I try to maintain like continuity and namesakes, but, but yeah, <laughs> that's why, that's why Sam has been getting brought up for the last few episodes. So if we start harping <laughs> on somebody, start to worry. <laughs> <laughs> We're looking at you, Johnson. <laughs> Looking at you, Johnson. Um, no, Johnson's gonna be around for fucking ever. Um, Original Spartan, baby. But yeah, and then God, and then we got the fucking one point ones to talk about. But but yeah, I know it's kind of a shorter episode, but we kind of wanted to get this monumental thing done. 
um, because this does turn into starting next episode. We go back to our kind of timeline style, um, which once again, once we get to the big narratives, we'll go back to our narrative style where I feel like we're getting better at having to switch that little, you know, hit that, hit that switch. <laughs> Never <repeated. laughs> a little, that little, yeah. Um, <laughs> But, uh, yeah, so we'll be going back a little bit back to timelines. Things coming up are we're going to be going over the next big mission for the Spartans. Um, they're going to take kind of these hard lessons that they learned with Sam, put them forward. And then we're also going to be looking into one of our favorite characters that we didn't know was going to be one of our favorite characters <laughs> until we started researching him. Um, and he's appeared before. He'll be coming back. It- Jerome <laughs> No, not Jerome. Um <laughs> But uh yeah. Ken Dog, who's your favorite Spartan? Um, you know it's it's funny, right? So originally originally So originally I actually wasn't a, like a huge Spartan fan. Just because of what like playing the games and stuff, you don't really get the scope. As a kid, I didn't really get the scope of the game. I didn't realize that there was more than one Spartan. Um, <laughs> yeah, Johnson fair. was actually my favorite, my favorite character. So it's it's kind of funny to kind of go back and do this and and learn, like really learn that Johnson is the original Spartan. So definitely uh, the Spartans Mark One, uh, Johnson is definitely my favorite. Hmm. How would I know? <laughs> look man look i'm gonna be real with you i'm a i'm a slut black characters in sci-fi just because i can relate to that character because you're also in sci-fi Ex- exactly yes <laughs> yes like i i think most recently lovecraft country i think was the one that got me the most just because it was like is a black kid who knew about like cthulhu and demons and aliens and all that and i'm like that's me. <laughs> That's me in a nutshell. Fuck it, man. Let's let's play Call of Cthulhu. I'm we sure need we to find a DM. We need to. But uh, but yeah. Wait, who's your favorite Spartan? Whoa, hold up there, bro, Chacho. Uh, I don't know at the moment. Um, you can say a meal. Everybody says a meal. No, and he was a Spartan not, three. It's not a meal. <laughs> Spartan threes. Um, just for those who are aware, I talked a lot of shit on the Spartan threes, and I actually met the Spartan fours. I had them confused. Spartan threes weren't terrible. Um, they weren't good, but they weren't no, terrible. No, y'all, Spartan threes are the minorities of the Spartan group. We'll, we'll talk about that. <laughs> we'll talk about that. reason. Spartan fours are trash. Just absolute oh, garbage. Oh, completely. And I hate all of them. Even, even fucking Senior Buck. <gasps> yeah. Yeah, because he fucking obeys to the dark side. He fucking bows to that bitch's whim. Um which of course he does he's trying to get that booty yeah very disappointing character arc with buck which we'll get into buck don't worry everybody <laughs> you just know he's a, be a fun episode he's a very disappointing character arc um but man right now without looking at a list in front of me i'd have to say alice oh dude yeah you have such a, you have such the biggest like next to halsey alice is like I think it's, I don't, but here's the thing. I don't know if it's Alice or her story. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I haven't made that, I haven't drawn that line of where, which one it is yet. Cause I haven't really sat down and thought about it. But once we do Alice's story, 
Um, I think I think you'll understand because she gave a lot of exposition in her story and her own personal strength to do something <laughs> that none of the other Spartans would do is fucking wild. Um, she also like goes against a literal fucking army by her onesie. <laughs> like, so I don't know. You know what I mean? So it's just a, the more I read of Alice, the more I'm like, I just need to sit down and actually like figure out if it's her or her story. I really like. Well, I, I think yeah, the other thing, number one, you love women in sci-fi. Does I love well-written women in sci-fi. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, yes. well-written. Like, for example, if anybody out there is a wannabe writer or has an issue, like some sort of wall when trying to write a female character, here is the best example I can give you. If you're ever wanting to write a female character, go to Assassin's Creed Odyssey, Cassandra, the best well-written female character in, honestly gaming history perfectly well written voice acting is done extremely well to match that writing which is super rare in assassin's creed's games and then if you want an example of a bad character or a very terribly written character also play assassin's creed odyssey (laughs) (laughs) and the main chick who is outside of the animus is the poorest excuse for a female character in sci-fi ever written complete garbage a garbage human being because they needed that they thought they needed the stark contrast to cassandra's personality so they made her overwhelmingly obnoxious so yeah anyway yeah but when it comes to well-written females in sci-fi immediately sold like (laughs) like done yeah you know what's funny that you mentioned um odyssey um, I've just realized that the amount of the game I played and, and how I finished it, I completely forgot that there's a whole other fucking, like, there's a whole thing being mm. outside the animus. Yep. Like, I completely forgot that was a whole other thing. So I have no idea what actually happens outside the animus Dude, nothing. of that game. This woman literally <laughs> exists. Okay, because she was supposed to be a quirky, and I hate that. If you're if you're writing your character as quirky, rewrite them immediately. I'm just going to tell you right now, it never comes off as quirky because everybody's version of quirky is different. So whenever you write a quote unquote quirky character, just don't, don't, <laughs> don't do it. But she's supposed to be quirky, but it comes off as just super demeaning to everybody else because like she just totally everything is her first is the way it comes off. And just totally ignores the absolute monumental efforts everybody else in the team is doing for her own personal gain. And it's not meant to come off that way, but that's the way it comes off. So it's super fucking obnoxious for a character. And that's why you don't remember it, is because nothing meaningful happened. We'll get into it when we do our Assassin's Creed. <laughs> because I got a, I got a lot to say about it. Because Cassandra is probably like I will probably die on the hill that Cassandra is the one of the best well written female characters in gaming history. You know that's so it's it's kind of interesting how I will say in this iteration or this this trilogy of Assassin's Creed game it doesn't really get enough credit because um Odyssey and Valhalla the main characters are women. 
Well, I mean, you could play as a dude, but no, but but can't like canon wise, they're women. Canon wise, they're women because um, when there's so there's a certain like in Valhalla, you don't really figure that out. So a certain conversation happens toward the end of the game where a different character is like, oh, that's why I didn't recognize you. Is because you you came out different than how you were, and I'm like, oh, I'm like clearly, mm-hmm. clearly you are not a man in this iteration of the game, clearly. But um, I know you hated you hated the I think you played the the female Valhalla and hated her. I hated her, but it's the same thing, same reason I hated Alexios. I just couldn't get behind in Odyssey because his voice acting was just so fucking bad, like. It was it was nothing against him as a character. It was his voice actor. Like whoever they picked was just fucking garbage. He was over the top. He was yeah, over the top. It was with Alexios. Just, yeah, yeah. It was just way over the top. And then same thing with the female character in Valhalla. It was just way over the fucking top. And I was like, all right, let's dial it back. Meanwhile, <laughs> <laughs> the dude in, in Valhalla is the shit voice acting wise, and Cassandra's voice actor just fucking absolutely crushed it. Like she read that script and understood line for line the like tone that needed to be brought with it. Yeah, dude, and the amount of dialogue that's in that game, I don't know how. I don't know how, man, but it was fucking impressive because I have yet to hit like a clunky dialogue sequence with her. In fact, I thought I hit one today. I was playing for a little bit played for like an hour and um i thought i hit one because i accepted a quest before i knew what the quest was and i was like oh that's a little clunky and then the dude immediately goes with oh you're just gonna accept my quest without knowing what it is how nice of you and i was like god you motherfuckers <laughs> thought i had you on something <laughs> nope <laughs> they got me instead they knew i was looking for it but uh i've never finished i've never finished odyssey which is why i'm currently running through it again all right, now before we go down the the rabbit hole on this, are we wrapping the episode right here? Um, yeah, let's get our notes out of the way, and then we can we can shoot the shit about fucking Odyssey. But um, <laughs> do you got any? I got a few things I want to close on. So, do you got anything? Nah, man, I'm I'm good for my like. That's really I just wanted to get um the trip out of the way because now we're really open to talk about any and all their missions. So, just for you guys know, the next episode is also going to be. Um, narrative driven and then after that I think we're going to go into the timeline because the next part is during um, collateral damage and collateral damage is pretty much a one straightforward narrative I think we can rock through all three issues of it too oh yeah 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 no it's it's there's nothing too too major no nothing crazy uh... because it is standalone but um I do want to give a shout out to oh you're a liar i knew there was yeah. i knew you had <laughs> well this is to everybody who is sending us money i totally appreciate it but i do want to also say do not feel obligated to send us money um this is a free podcast we obviously will appreciate and accept your donations but with the way the economy is currently do not feel obliged or obligated to give us any of your money do not put yourself in a financial burden just because you want to give us $5 a month, that makes absolutely no sense. Keep it. Do what you need to do with it. Do never feel obligated to give us money. Like, ever. Never put yourself in a financial burden to help us. We will be okay. Make sure you're okay first. And that's kind of all I want to say about it. Obviously, if you are in a good place and you do feel comfortable donating, 
we will gladly appreciate it um, and accept it. Just never put yourself in a, in a burden, <laughs> like ever. Um, that's one thing that I hadn't said that I do want to say now in our closing, um, just because, you know, I, can't, I couldn't, I couldn't, my morality wouldn't handle it. <laughs> Is the only thing I can say about it. So the best way to, to sum it up, y'all, please don't donate to us unless you have a surplus in your bank account. Yes. If you're breaking even, <laughs> that's not cutting it. <laughs> surplus, as in, as you can splurge. When you can splurge. Yes. And for those of you who do feel like donating, um, it is on our, and every, every page, wherever you listen to us, does have a link back to our either Spotify or Anchor. And on there, you can choose to donate to us either $0.99 cents a month, $4.99 a month, or $9.99 a month. Um, right now, we none of our content will ever be, ever be paywalled. I refuse to do it. Really, all you're doing is just because you think we're funny, or you like our stories, or you like hanging out with us, whatever it may be. But that's about the only thing you're getting out of it. We may do something, maybe, but... <laughs> It, we're, we're working out the details and we don't want to make promises we can't keep at this moment. No, well said. Well, well said. But yeah, with all that said, I think that's going to wrap up this episode. Ken Dog. Oh, keep a change out. We're changing up the credits a little bit. So listen to the credits. Let us know if you think that there's anything we need to add because there's going to be an addition to it. So, Ooh, that's... Yeah, somebody somebody pointed something out. I forgot to mention to you <laughs> that we need to add oh. in there. <laughs> um, so keep a take a listen. Let us know anybody else who has anything that they think should be added in the credit slash legal side. <laughs> feel oh feel a hundred percent free to send that to us. Um, oh yeah. no, the lawyer calling our public our public defender yep. right now. Um, it's just an easy little, we don't own any of the rights of the things we talk about. That's why. We oh yeah, we definitely, yeah, yeah, we definitely gotta be. But yeah, yeah, we gotta add that to the end. Um, but yeah, we're going to be changing it up rather than you either get Ken dog soft, some subtle voice at the end of the episode telling you, you know what you just listened to and why, or you get me absolutely yelling at you at 4 billion decibels <laughs> in legal jargon. I don't know. Hurry up. <laughs> Hurry up and subscribe before Brandon punches you in the throat. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but yeah, make sure to, that's my challenge to you. Actually send us to three people, you know, who you think would like to come and, hang out with us every week that's my challenge to you we are up to 400 people which is absolutely astonishing um we were cool with just 50 was our goal <laughs> so yeah 50 it was just 50 <laughs> that was the goal <laughs> so this is absolutely mind uh mind-blowing and i just want to say i'm thankful once again and with that being said ken dog take us home y'all tune in next week do you hear that brandon you hear that the panties dropping all aboard the coal train. <laughs> <laughs> See ya. Last one out. Hit the lights. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Uh, be sure to tune in to us and message us on all our different platforms. Uh, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And in terms of all your podcast listening needs, we can be found on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, uh, Google Podcasts as well. I'll tune in next week. Thank you.
You, Me, and Lore is an original podcast written and produced by Brandon Wayner and Kenny Gomez. Sound and editing by Kenny Gomez and Brandon Wayner. Intro composed and plays by Achilles Amistat. Transitions and outro composed and played by Sam Gibbs. Also, please be advised, we do not own the rights to any of the games we are speaking in regards to. All rights are owned by their respective companies. For inquiries, please reach out to you, me, and Laura on Facebook or Instagram. Thank you.